Welcome to the TNL Talks Podcast. I'm Chris Galloway, Director of Teaching and Learning in Floresville ISD. And I'm Olivia Bailey, the Literacy Specialist for Floresville ISD. Before we get into the topic this week, I want to introduce Olivia Bailey, who is our literacy specialist here in Floresville ISD. She is part of the teaching and learning team. She is now going to be my co-host on the TNL podcast. So welcome, Olivia. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. And we're excited to have you. we are discussing blended learning in Floresville ISD. This past week we had an opportunity to go to a blended learning workshop with Raise Your Hand Texas. In that workshop we learned a lot more about blended learning. The reason why we were invited to the workshop is we are deep in the process of becoming a blended learning district with the help of Raise Your Hand Texas. We are a finalist for a $300,000 grant with Raise Your Hand Texas. Part of that process is identifying how we will use blended learning in our district to improve teaching. Additionally, we were awarded a $125,000 grant by the TEA, the Texas Education Agency, to pursue blended learning. Part of that process will be that we will receive an additional $125,000 once we complete the next process of that grant application. So in reality, we could potentially end up with around $550,000 to improve instruction in Floresville ISD through blended learning. Olivia and I are going to talk to Denise Knight, who is our digital learning specialist here in Floresville ISD, but she has also been identified as the project manager for rolling out blended learning in Floresville ISD. Olivia, what do you think about this new process of blended learning and about the workshop? Well, I definitely think it's very exciting, the direction that we're heading um, in Floresville ISD and combining blended learning, specifically um, with literacy. And the workshop was a lot of work, as you know. Um, it was exhausting. A lot of our great team came together, a lot of brain power, learning from each other, and working through the processes. But I do think it's exciting, both for our teachers Ultimately, of course, for our students, the direction that um, we are heading with literacy instruction and student ownership in their learning and how that all comes together with what is now known as blended learning. We've identified as a district that reading is the target area that we want to focus on. What is it about our reading practice that needs to shift and how do you think blended learning is going to support that? Well, I think one of the things that we're learning in education is that, as in other professions, as technology advances, as careers change, as we get our you know students ready for a world that currently probably doesn't even exist yet, jobs that they're going to be working in that aren't even existing yet, I think we're getting more and more research in, in terms of how the brain actually learns, how kids learn to read, how kids learn to think, and that's changing. It's ever-changing, depending on society and environmental factors and those types of things. So I think the more research that we're getting in, we're really starting to understand how specifically the brain learns to read, and we're needing to adjust our instructional practices to sort of meet the research that we're getting, that we're learning about, just like I mean, any other field. You see it in the medical field, technologies advance. We see it definitely in the cyber world 
technologies change and we're just, I think, trying to keep up now in education. I think we've been doing things a very systemic way and now we're learning, okay, there's not necessarily anything wrong with that, but is it meeting the needs of all of our learners? And I think that's where blended learning is so exciting because we're now seeing that we can use all of these other advancements in technology and, and what have you to actually meet the needs of every student in our classroom and to give those students an individualized path so that they are successful. I agree. I think also what's important with blended learning and the use of technology when we do it the right way is that you have students who are engaged outside of school with technology. And by engaging our students within the classroom using technology, I think that they will have another way of learning. It'll be easier for them to comprehend, to maintain what they learn, to it'll be a way to model how to use technology for reading purposes. It really is going to be like a life experience that will carry with them after high school, their post-secondary readiness. So I'm super excited to see where it can take us. I agree completely. And I know as a teacher when I was in the classroom and we first started to sort of see this revolution almost, if you will, of video games coming into play and then mm -hmm. smartphones and iPads. And I mean, as a teacher, I think our initial mindset was these are a distractor. The kids are distracted by technology. You know, they're only wanting to be doing this. They're only wanting to be on their phones. And I think that shift in thinking is now, it's a tool, and if we can use that tool in our profession to help kids learn to be successful in whatever you know career or college path that they choose. And we always hear teachers say, I need more resources. I need more to help teach my students. With technology being brought into the classroom and students using that, it opens a plethora of resources, unlimited opportunities, many of them free, and as long as we ensure that it's aligned to what we want to teach and it's aligned to our TEKS, our standards in the state of Texas, then I definitely think that we can use this opportunity to increase the engagement, but also increase the personalization of learning. And I'm super excited to hear from our guest today, Denise Knight. I think that she's going to bring a wealth of knowledge and be able to explain more to our listeners what they're about to experience, not only the teachers, but the students. And I think the parents in the community will see something from blended learning that deeply needed, in, not only in Floresville ISD, but any classroom. I agree completely. All right, so let's bring on Denise Knight. We're here with Denise Knight, our district digital learning specialist, as well as our project manager for the Blended Learning Project. Welcome. Thanks for having me. So we're super excited about where we're going with Blended Learning. Could you tell our listeners where we're at in that process right now with applying for the Raise Your Hand Texas Blended Learning Grant? So we started this process last year already. We had to go through multiple steps, and we are now one of 30 finalists. We wrote an in-depth plan for that just recently returned from a two-day workshop in Bastrop where we went over our plan, looked a little bit deeper at different parts of it, and now we're in the process of making revisions to it. Next week, we have a site visit where a team from Raise Your Hand Texas will actually visit the district and talk to administrators and campus principals and visit the district to see how prepared we are and, and our readiness for it. Our final submit plan submission will be February 20th with a final decision in March, end of March, 
uh, there are 30 finalists, and in March they'll announce the 20 recipients. So how long is the support supposed to last for our district? The Raise Your Hand Texas program is a three-year program. We realize that at the end of the three years we're going to keep going with blended learning, but the support that we receive from Raise Your Hand Texas is a three-year commitment. So what can teachers expect? Who are going to be the teachers that are going to participate in this program? What is the overall goal? What are we looking at for our teachers regarding blended learning? Our plan is to really focus on reading and improving reading for students across the district from K through 12. What we're going to do is we have a three-year rollout process and year one will be opt-in teachers where we will have a small number of teachers from each campus that will implement blended learning on a regular basis in their classroom to really provide the structure and support and intervention that students need to improve their reading skills. The following year, we will expand to include additional grade levels and additional teachers with the intention that by the end of the three-year process, we will have all ELR teachers doing a blended learning model. One thing Olivia and I focused on in our introduction was that our goal is to really to increase the engagement for students in regards to reading and also to open up the idea of them being learners who are taking ownership of their own learning. How is this going to help with that, blended learning? So blended learning does a couple of things. Number one, it changes the shift in the type of instruction teachers are receiving. It's not a teacher-centered instruction anymore. It's really about the kid. And so it really becomes more learner-centered and more engaging to that learner. The activities are no longer listen to a lecture or read along or follow along or complete a worksheet, but they're much more hands-on and require a lot more critical thinking. The other part of blended learning is the ability with, to personalize instruction. Using a blended learning model, teachers are able to look at into students as individuals, not as a class group, and see what each individual student is needing to focus on to improve their skills. Using blended learning, they can then target those specific skills for that specific student to really give them a personalized learning path that will help them develop the skills they need. Olivia, you and I have been working with Dr. Wade as far as curriculum and instruction is concerned yes. regarding reading. Can you kind of tell our listeners some of the things that's coming down from the state regarding reading? Some of the changes that we have that are going to be coming about, and they're exciting changes, is through House Bill 3, our teachers are going to be attending a Science of Reading Academy. And this will apply to all teachers, kindergarten through third grade, regardless of content taught over the next two years. So that's really exciting because that's something that we're going to have some consistency. I think now in reading instruction, we're going to have the newest research as far as how children learn to read and what works systemically for children closing gaps for struggling learners, how to reach those dyslexic, or students who maybe have not been um, as successful in reading. Now we're gonna have a consistent lens or a consistent path for teaching children that all teachers will be trained in across the state of Texas. Part of that is also a strategic phonics resource or phonics program in place. And so that's really exciting too. So now we will have a system of teaching phonics that will be consistent from classroom to classroom, campus across campus, and will link from one grade level to the next so that we know that all of our students are receiving that good foundational practice in phonics that we know they need to be successful readers.
One of the great things you mentioned, Olivia, was you talked about closing the gaps. And that's where blended learning can really help because it can help close those gaps. Not the gaps between student to student, but the gaps that one student has. And through blended learning, teachers can use different intervention methods to really target where those gaps are and help close them for that student. And that's, I'm glad you said that, Denise, because honestly, I had never heard the term blended learning. So as an RTI, a response to intervention teacher in reading, the first sort of mention I had of it was in an email, and it was an, an offer from our district to attend the UT program through University of Texas, the UTeach. And so as an interventionist, I really sort of approached it with the lens of what else can I do? What else can I do for these students? There's got to be something else. And so it was just kind of how can I reach the students that I was working with who had a two-plus year gap in reading instruction. So I sort of just kind of went in blind and really didn't know what the blended learning thing was, really didn't know what I was going to be exposed to. But through going through the, the UTeach, it really opened my eyes to not just how this engages and reaches struggling readers, but this is something we need for every student, to meet the individual needs of every student in our classroom, whether they're struggling, on level, or above level. And I think that's where my passion and excitement for blended learning came from. Well, and a lot of times people hear blended learning, they think it's just about the technology. Oh, I have to use technology in my classroom. And it's not about the technology. The focus is still on good quality instruction. We're just using the technology as a tool to help provide the instruction that each individual student needs. And like you said, it can be used to benefit every student. Because as a teacher, if I'm in a classroom with 25 kids or 20 kids, it's hard for me to hit the needs of each individual student and give them the quality instruction they need. Using blended learning, I can do that because I can offer an individual type instruction or lesson activity that really does benefit each student. I'm actually reading a book right now called Coherence, which is by Michael Fullan and Joanne Quinn. And Michael Fullan is, is really known in the education and even the business world in regards to change and systematic change. And something that he said in the book, which really struck me, was that there is, over the last 50 years, not a whole lot of change in education. And therefore, there's this push factor and pull factor that is occurring, which is really at odds in education. The push factor is that schools are increasingly boring for students. And he actually quotes a recent Gallup poll that found that 53% of students are engaged. So literally the other 47% in students are not engaged in the learning, which I found uh, fascinating because through our walkthroughs in classrooms and even some of the surveys we've done in talking to students like in Grand Rounding, we've also found that our students don't feel like they're engaged. And the pull factor is innovations in the digital world are learning, um, they're omnipresent and accessible outside the walls of the school, which is alluring but is not necessarily productive. And then he also continues to say that technology is not necessarily the answer to fixing an instruction problem or fixing a reading problem, but the pedagogy that goes along with the technology and how teachers use that technology is the most important thing. Can you kind of explain to our listeners how this will not be another device where we use it like a worksheet and how the, the students will be able to collaborate with blended learning and how they'll be able to focus on the learning and challenge themselves and engage themselves deeper. It's a great point, Chris. Blended learning still requires really strong tier one instruction. If, if all we do is replace that written worksheet with a digital worksheet, 
we're not going to be effective. We're not going to see a change because nothing has changed. And those disengaged students are the very ones that are not having their needs met because they're either above or below where the instruction is taking place. So we really have to focus on that engagement element. And that's where we look really hard at what are you doing with the technology. So when we go into a classroom, when I walk into a classroom, I don't just look at is a computer being used or is an iPad being used, but rather what is that student doing with it? Are they collaborating with each other? Are they doing critical thinking activities? We focus a lot on the SAMR model, which S stands for substitution, A, augmentation, M, modification, and R, redefinition. We're not effective if we're just stuck at that, that S level, if that low level where we're substituting. At times, that's appropriate, but we also need to be making sure that we're hitting those higher levels, and that's where we can increase the engagement. So when we give kids, rather than just having them write an essay, but we give them the opportunity to blog. Kids are reading blogs all the time. When they're writing for a blog, they're still getting that writing experience, but it takes on a whole different meaning. When we can share those written pieces digitally, from pen, being pen pals from another state or another country, we can open up doors that previously were closed and really increase the engagement and the learning opportunities for kids. I agree 100%. And I think that there's also a misconception that blended learning means that a large portion of it is technology. Technology is really is a small piece. It's really about rotation stations, almost like centers, what you would see in an elementary level, but also it's to provide different types of ways of learning. And really those classrooms look more like the teacher as the facilitator of learning and not the primary source of the learning. Correct. And one, and in addition to station rotations, another model uh, that people don't often think of as blended learning is the flipped model. And that's where Instead of spending my classroom time, I have my students for 45 minutes a day if I'm in a secondary level. Instead of spending that class time going over a lecture in PowerPoint to introduce a new concept or a new idea, and then sending home the homework where the students are doing the practice on their own with no support and structure, we flip that. And I can, using technology, have them review that information and be introduced to that concept at home and then spend the time in class collaborating, learning, and doing the practice where they can have more hands-on assistance and intervention and in turn the increased learning level. So when we look at the portrait of a graduate in our district and and our goal is to help students get to that next level, that post-secondary readiness, this really can help them for that because many universities are beginning to change from just a lecture style to a flipped model or to a blended learning type model where there's a lot of pre-work beforehand and then the student comes in and the majority of class is spent with them discussing and driving their own learning. Is that kind of how this might work for them? No, that's exactly how it would work. We're preparing them because if anybody who's either in a class right now or will be taking one, there is such a large online component to those courses and being able to collaborate and have a discussion, appropriate high level critical thinking level of discussion is so very important to the success in those classes that we need to be teaching those skills now. One of the things that really strikes me is people talk all the time about how kids are different today, kids are different today, kids are different today. If kids are so different today, why is our instruction still the same? 
Why have we not changed the way we're, in, we're teaching them? And blended learning is a way to make that change. Our colleges are already making that change. They've already stopped going to the lecture style where the kids are skipping those lecture sessions or falling asleep in them and doing all those things and really having them do more of that online. And if our colleges are changing, then we as a secondary and elementary schools, we need to be changing our education as well. I agree. In fact, the Texas Tribune just recently put out an article saying that the universities in the state of Texas, 50% of the students are taking some form of online component to their classes, either fully online or they're actually doing a component within the classroom, more of a blended model, which is something I think our students need to experience, which is why we're so happy about our dual credit program here in Floresville ISD, where we have over 300 students taking online classes for uh, Coastal Bend College right now. And the blended learning program is a, a great example because so many of our kids have, even in high school, have the requirement to take an online component, whether it's through those dual credit, a lot of our CTE courses are offered with some sort of digital component. We even have Edgenuity where we have some credit recapture and credit recovery programs to help those kids that have fallen behind. And so having these students learn at the younger levels how to be part of a digital classroom and complete that digital component is critical to their success, not only in college, but even just in secondary when they get into the high school level. And Denise, what you're talking about, we keep saying that students have changed, students have changed, or the, the kids are changing. I think what's changed is that they now have access to all the information that we as teachers used to solely have. You know, we used to be the provider of that information. Well, now they have it all. So I think our role has to change to helping them make sense of and understand and learn how to utilize and think critically about the information that they do have access to so that they can, you know, be critical thinkers and work towards success in, in school. And I have a freshman who is in a dual credit class, and I was very nervous about, is he really ready for this? How is this really going to go? You know, what, what's going to happen? And just seeing him take ownership of that and flourish with that and as a freshman just own that dual credit to the point that he said I wish more of my classes could be that way so you really start to see that shift and yes they are changing and we need to change to prepare them for what's ahead that's awesome that's a great point Olivia you talked about you being worried about and being successful think about how much better those kids that are in elementary and middle school being exposed to those blended learning courses where they are having to do online components, they will be better prepared than than he was. And mm-hmm. so they're at it, they'll be at a better advantage for them. So I think that the key to blended learning, which is important here, is that you know when you even talk about the dual credit piece and it's online, is there's not a teacher there directing the information or handing it to the students. The students are really having to critically think and to figure out how to, to, to solve the problem or how to acquire the information, how to synthesize the information. And then they, a lot of times they collaborate online or even with the students in the class about what they've learned, which is key because as we know in the real world, in our job, we look at data, we look at information, and then we collaborate on how do we solve a problem to fix it. Right. And one of another great point is that being a lifelong learner, Portrait of a Graduate talks about our kids being lifelong learners. They need 
to be able to take that information and synthesize it and make sense of it because research has shown that the majority of kids in elementary middle school right now will have jobs that do not exist right now. So how can I give them the skills and the knowledge they need to be successful in a job that I don't even know what that job's going to look like or require yet? And the key to that is teaching them to be that lifelong learner, how to take information, how to find the information, how to synthesize it, and how to develop their own understanding of it. And that's where blended learning can play such a major role in helping them do that. It also helps them develop those critical thinking skills that they'll need. I'd like to shift gears a second, and because and, we really have gone in depth about what blended learning is and what it really shouldn't be. The other piece to this is that we've talked about ownership for the student to drive their learning. In Fullen's book, he re references John Hattie. John Hattie's research talks about some of the highest levels of learning happens for students when they acquisition knowledge by driving their own learning. For example, if you have a student who reads a book in two days, what happens next for that student? You know, how can they use technology or how can they drive their learning to acquire more knowledge instead of waiting around for the questions or waiting around for the next assignment or waiting for their students who may be a little bit further behind to catch up? So it's super important for them to have that ownership. Now, we've done some visits as a district to different districts with blended learning, and that ownership piece was huge. I'm kind of curious on the experiences you've witnessed as far as that goes and, and what it looks like in the classroom. When we talk about ownership, we talk about the students understanding and having some voice and choice in what they're learning. And it can be as simple as when I'm giving a project, instead of saying, you're going to do a PowerPoint presentation with five slides and the slides will have this information, but instead giving the students choice in how they demonstrate that knowledge and that learning letting them choose what that's going to look like so that they can focus on what their strengths are and what their interests are. Again, we'll grade for the content, not the product itself. Not that everybody had five slides and the slides had individual requirements. The other part of ownership is knowing why I'm learning something. So often, it's common for everybody to want to know why. Why do I have to do this? Why do I have to know that? That is not just a teen thing. People of all ages want to know why. If I, as the teacher, am holding the data and I know why we have to do this lesson, the kids are going to be resistant because they don't understand the why. The students need to be part of the discussion that helps generate that why. So when we give them their individual data, their scores, their performance standards, they know where my strong where am I weak? And they can focus in those areas. We talk a lot about learner-facing data so that I know what I need to be working on to improve and I can chart my progress and I can feel a sense of accomplishment and success. And accomplishment and success looks different for every student. So we can't have a standard. That's where that data is so important because my data and the students sitting next to me won't be the same. So I need to be able to see that. We also talk about how blended learning can help when having ownership in my learning when I do finish early because with blended learning, I can now fill that with extension activities that extend the learning in areas that I'm interested in, using products I'm interested in, projects, I'm, whether it's project-based learning, research activities, but I can extend the learning in a way I'm interested in. If I finish reading my book early, 
that the, everybody's reading, then I can, using digital e-text, I can then extend and read an online book of my choosing, of my interests, that I can then continue reading, and I'm not stagnant in my learning while I'm waiting for everybody else to catch up. Mm -hmm. I agree, and from a literacy perspective, I think students sometimes think, well, the, the goal in front of me is to read the book. That's my goal, to read the book. And the goal is to read the book, but it's to read the book so that you can think critically about the author's craft and what you were supposed to take away from that book and how that applies across content areas. So how does what I've read apply to maybe something that I've learned about in history or how does this apply to other, you know, to other areas to actually be a critical thinker, not just a reader. And I think that's where blended learning is so important because we can offer so many different choices for them to sort of examine those different avenues of thinking when we're talking about tied to, to literacy and really developing good literate communities within our district. Great point, Olivia. When, when my goal is to just read the book, I'm just going to read it like you said. I'm not going to think about it. Teacher said I need to read chapter one. I'm going to read chapter one. Check mark done. If it's a book I choose and a book I'm interested in, I'm going to read that book, but I'm going to think more deeply about it. I'm going to have conversations about it because I'm passionate about it. And that's where blended learning can expand that because we can give the students more choices so that it naturally becomes a more critical thinking activity. We don't have to force them to do it because they're vested in what they're doing. Absolutely. This is a shift in thinking that we haven't seen in education. It's, it's new, it's innovative, which is why we call it innovative. And I think that what teachers need to understand, and I think they're going to quickly realize that there's a lot of work that goes into planning blended learning. But when you plan it appropriately, then when you get to the classroom, the work is easy. And when you see your students have gains exponentially to what they have recently or in the past, that it feels more like it's worth going through that, that effort to do that work. Chris, you're so right. I have a, a teacher at the elementary right now who has been doing more blended learning. She's done more with students looking at their data and having them chart their progress and doing more things like that. And we've had that conversation. And you said everything she said. What's interesting is she said that initially creating the lessons took a little bit longer. She's getting better at it because she can quickly look at resources now and gauge their level of quality in terms of rigor she can create her own faster now and so she's slowly starting to take less time in the preparation in the classroom she said she feels like she works less because she's facilitating more and the students are doing the learning and she's facilitating it's also giving her more time to spend with students doing small group instruction she said her job is actually much more enjoyable now because for the first time in a really long time, she's having more moments where she can see when it finally clicks for the student because she's meeting the students where they're at and helping them and structuring and scaffolding for them. And so she's having a lot more, lot more aha moments in that classroom. And she said overall, she's happier and her students are happier. That's amazing. And one thing I wanna reiterate to our listeners, to the teachers out there that may be listening, that even though that this is new and it's going to be difficult and it's going to be tough, 
there's going to be a lot of support coming from central office. Um, I know that Dr. Bays is 100% behind this. Dr. Wade is. You're going to be the project manager. You're going to be devoting a whole lot of time to this. And of course, the TNL team or the teaching and learning team as a whole will be also supporting the classrooms and our instructional coaches as well. So the principals have been to this training and they've been exposed to it. They've gone on visits to districts to see how this can work in campuses similar to ours. And I think that it's super exciting where we're headed. I'm excited. We are fully vested at all levels in the district. We see the need for this. We see the positive impact it can have on student learning. This isn't about anything more than we want our students to be successful. And it's really encouraging to see so many people come to the table and have these discussions and be in agreement. We're never in disagreement about this is the right path for our students because this will help every student sitting in that classroom. Do you have anything further you'd like to share with our listeners? That covers it. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, thanks for joining us today. Thank you. That was a great interview with Denise Knight. I'm real excited to see where we're going as a district with blended learning. What did you think about it? I thought it was excellent. I enjoyed hearing Denise explain exactly how blended learning isn't necessarily about just using technology, but it's about that really student-centered approach to learning. And I think that's really exciting. It's exciting for our teachers, and it's really exciting for our students because they're going to be the ones who benefit from this initiative. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. And I'm real excited to see how we're going to be blending literacy with the use of technology in the classroom and how these practices are research-based and they should show us some significant gains in our student achievement. I agree completely. I think stereotypically when we think of the word technology, we tend to kind of lump that with math and science for some reason, but now we're talking about bringing that in with literacy. So I think that's really, really exciting. And there's so many resources that are available through technology with literacy. And, you know, we have a lot going on with literacy with our new TEKS um, down at the elementary level and middle school. And then this next year, we're going to have new TEKS at the high school. Those are standards that our teachers have to use to teach students. I really feel that this is an opportunity to make the change and to really shift our practice in Florida's ISD. I agree completely. There was a great episode this week, and we're happy to have you on board, Olivia, as uh, our new co-host. Episode 12 is in the books, and until next time, bye! bye.